0: Hello to all you amazing Mets fans, you're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. On the show today, a big win to discuss. After scoring just two runs in the first two games out of the break, Daniel Vogelbach, Made his Mets debut and him, along with a lot of help from Pete Alonso, helped transform this lineup on Sunday as they piled on eight runs. Although the game almost got away late, I'll talk about everything that unfolded in the first segment today. Then, in the second segment, I want to talk about the fact that there is a standing trade offer apparently for the Mets to acquire Josh Bell. What could that deal be? Is it a deal the Mets should pursue, or is there a better DH complement out there? Then in the final segment today, a little preview of a ahead as the Mets will take on the New York Yankees in the first Subway Series of the season. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter, at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Now today, I am fresh off a plane, just spent the past I don't know. Week and a half out in Chicago, caught the tail end of that series against the Cubs. Spent some time with the family. Now you see me if you're watching on YouTube back in the Locked On Mets studios. And what a game I had to discuss today. Let's just get right into it. In the first two games of this series against the Padres, what did the Mets get? Fantastic starting pitching. No offense. Early on in this game, what did the Mets get? Again, fantastic starting pitching. Carlos Carrasco goes five scoreless, walk two, six hits. Kind of walked the tightrope, only one strikeout, but no runs allowed, as I said. And yet, you look through five innings, the Mets were getting no hit for, what, four of them? And the offense just was not there. The guy that did get that first hit was the new addition, Daniel Vogelbach. You see him in the lineup, and to me, it just makes a a huge difference. And obviously, we look at the top performance of this game, and Pete Alonso is the big star, we're going to get to him in a minute. And really, you look at some of the all-star players and Marte getting two hits, and you got Alonzo with the home run, the big RBI double, Lindor a couple of hits. Yes, those were the key contributors in this game. But I do think there is something to be said about the length of this lineup when you add Vogelbach. As we talked about on Friday in the bonus pockets, if you haven't checked that out, I broke down the trade at the time. This is a guy that if you just throw out the numbers against left-handed pitching, he rakes, and I think that as we move forward throughout the podcast today, throughout the rest of the week, to me, it's about how do you compliment this guy? Because I think, as a big left handed bat against right handed pitching, put him out there every day. Like, this is a guy that I think really does help this team to add some pop in this game. It was a hit, it was a walk. There wasn't too much to what he ended up putting forth, but I do think it makes a little bit of a difference. The real story, though, is Pete Alonso, and he's been the story all year. He's why this offense. You know, it, it is still effective even when so many hitters haven't been at times. And he had the big hit that opened the floodgates. You had Starling Marte, got the drive going in the bottom of the six against Joe Musgrove, who before that was great, only hit allowed, you know, to Vogelbach. You got Marte, gets a hit. You got Francisco Lindor doubles. So you have two runners in, in scoring position there for Pete Alonzo. What does he do? Hits one into the seats 420 plus feet, an absolute bomb that just. I think completely just shifted the, the narrative around the team out of the break, but just also that feeling. Cause at times when everyone's struggling, it's just th- this constant weight on everyone's shoulders that allows you to be free a little bit. And right after that, what do you see? Jeff McNeil grounds out, but Vogelbach draws a walk, a guy that has a great walk rate. We talked about that on Friday, walk rate over 14%. One of the, the best batters in baseball, drawing walks, getting on base, you know, when it comes to his plate discipline, then you get Mark Hanna who ends up grounding out, but Vogelbach goes to second and then Louis Giorme with a chip shot that brings home Vogelbach. We have to see that guy run a little bit. That's always fun. I was actually on the plane listening to the game. And as soon as I heard it, I was like, I, I need to see it because unfortunately the stream wasn't quite working on the Wi-Fi. Finally, SNY posted the video. I got to see Vogelbach tumbling home with his slide. Uh, it's going to be great. I can't wait. Until maybe one of these days we get Vogelbach hitting behind Pete. Maybe both of them draw walks and we can see the two of them run the bases together. That would be a lot of fun. But that was the fourth run scored by the Mets. Tomas Nito, big hit by him. We could talk about the the managerial decision. I'm not going to get into those two games. The night before, you had an opportunity, Buck Showalter, to have Jeff McNeil hit with the game on the line. You chose Tomas Nito. Not a good decision. We're not going to harp on it today. It was yesterday's news, but... This time, Nito came through with an RBI double that scored Yorme. Mets up 5-1. All right. They're cruising, right? Go to the seventh inning. Lineup still ticking, right? Marte draws a walk. Top of the lineup to lead things off. Francisco Lindor gets a base hit. Pete Alonso just barely misses another home run. He hits a double. That drives in one. couple of strikeouts with McNeil and Vogelbach. But Mark Canna, or was it Kenya? I'm going to have to learn how to correctly pronounce his name after it was pronounced differently on the broadcast. Again, I wasn't watching the ESPN broadcast, so I don't know the exact pronunciation for now. We'll keep calling him Canna. He drives in a run. That gives the Mets the 8-1 lead. That's where I left off. I got off the plane. I was getting my bag. Didn't know what else was going on, to be completely honest with you. I find out later that the Mets bullpen decided to self-destruct a little bit. Early returns. Decent. Drew Smith gave up a run. Not great. Lugo, scoreless inning. David Peterson, I guess, got into the game. He gave up a run. Joelly Rodriguez, though. <laughs> I mean, ERA now a 5 nine, three for Joelly Rodriguez after giving up three runs tonight. You have to use Edwin Diaz in a game that you just never expected to have to use him. You're winning 8-2 going into that ninth inning. You give up the three runs and unfortunate. That's why the Mets have to go out and add to this bullpen. Joely, that trade clearly a miss by Billy Epler. Unfortunately, the Mets need a left-hander in that bullpen. They need a lockdown reliever. They got to add two arms. That's why the Colin Holderman trade made sense. Because if you're going to add two arms, who knew if Holderman would stick around? I think Vogelback showed you tonight why that was a good addition, but this team definitely needs more. So, Bottom line here, the Mets win a game. The Braves lost on Sunday, so you are able to hang on to a little bit of a lead in this division, but it's getting tight. A game and a half over the Braves. You got a day off. You got the Yankees ahead. What I want to talk about next is some of the other rumors that are out there. Trey Mancini, we'll talk about that a little bit more on tomorrow. i will get to that in the next segment. Josh Bell, there's a standing offer to still acquire him, and I'll also talk about the D.H., not necessarily just the D.H., but the right-handed bat that I really wholeheartedly believe is the perfect complement to Vogelback. We'll get to all of that in just a minute. But first, whether you are ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at bluenile.com. There you can build the engagement ring of her dreams because Blue Nile has the simple online tools that let you choose the diamond shape, the size, and the clarity, as well as setting style. Blue Nile's bench jewelers will then handcraft Her perfect engagement ring, each ring is one of a kind, so you can celebrate life's special moments with fine jewelry from Blue Nile, and they have experts on hand 24-7 available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from bluenile.com, and lock on mess listeners will get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement. All you have to do is use the code LOCKEDON. Again, that's code LOCKEDON. Plus, every order is insured, ships-free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace by going to bluenow.com today. So I wanted to talk a little bit about who can complement Vogelbach as the Mets DH. And this is going to be a running conversation throughout the rest of the week as we're leading into the deadline uh, next Tuesday, I believe. It's August 2nd, 6 o'clock. Yes, that would be next Tuesday. And look, we've talked about it a bunch. I don't need to go over it at nauseam here. But the Mets need bullpen help, and they had to figure out this DH spot. And I think Vogelbach ended up being a really nice start, I, I believe, against any right-handed pitcher, Throw him out there. I'm confident. The guy's OPS is close to 900 um, against righties this year. As I've already mentioned, you throw out the numbers against lefties. This is a really nice bat the Mets got, and I think the cost was okay. Would I have liked the Mets to hang on to Colin Holderman? Of course, but considering where you're at this season, I think this was a win-now trade you had to make. And you only gave up one you know, former prospect who really wasn't even on the scene until this year, who, yes, is a controllable reliever, but – That's a deal you have to make. So what do you do now to complement it? And there's this report out here from Michael Marino and also Pat Ragazzo. Pat has been on this show a bunch actually for Sports Illustrated. Uh, They came up with a report today. The Mets have basically a standing offer to the Nationals. The Nationals, I'm sure, have fielded offers for plenty of teams. The reporting says so. Mets are one of several teams that have an offer out to the Nationals for Josh Bell. Theirs would send a starting pitcher and an outfielder in the upper minor leagues to Washington. If accepted, the Mets would also require a major league reliever in this deal. So what does that mean? Well, a starting pitcher, David Peterson, an outfielder in the upper minor leagues, Nick Plummer or Khalil Lee or Jake Mangum. I I mean, there's not a lot of outfielders in the upper minor leagues to talk about unless you believe Mark Vientos is an outfielder, which he is not. He's basically a first base DH at this point. Maybe if you're really pressed to to get a bat in your lineup, a team will look at him as a third baseman. But at this stage, I think most people believe he'll probably be a first baseman at the big league level. There's not a lot of outfielders to talk about in the upper minor league. So is that the package? Is it David Peterson and Khalil Lee or David Peterson and Nick Plummer for Josh Bell? And is that a trade that's worth doing? If it is Peterson or McGill to me, I don't know if that's worth it. You got look at just the Mets rotation for the next couple of years here. Let's really think about this. Let's think it through. Chris Bassett, question mark: is he gonna be here? Is he not gonna be here? Jacob deGrom can opt out. Scherzer on the books for two more years. Carrasco, it's a team option where it's almost like: do you want that option to vest based on innings pitch or not? I think the way he's throwing the ball, certainly tonight, maybe you do, but regardless. Maybe Carrasco's around, maybe he's not. Taiwan Walker can hit free agency. Chance he goes elsewhere and gets a big bag somewhere else if the Mets they'll decide to pay him. You look at the, the rotation next year, and to me, not that this would be the top three, but it's Scherzer, Peterson, McGill right now. Th- that's what you know is going to be in the depth chart. And you also know you got Peterson for a couple years beyond that. So do you want to trade one of those two guys to get Josh Bell as a rental? That's a, a, a tough pill to swallow. And I, I think that because the Mets are a win out team, if they got to do it, they got to do it. But I don't know if I necessarily love that. And then if accepted, the Mets would also require a major league reliever in this deal. You look at the Nationals' bullpen, not a lot there that I think is really going to help the Mets and put them over the top. I still think they would have to add another reliever elsewhere. So I don't know if I like that trade. And the problem with getting Josh Bell – And look, I sent a tweet out this weekend, and honestly, if I could take back, I would. Um, It was based on a gut feeling I have with Josh Bell. Uh, And it's not based on his numbers. It's not based on his stats. It's quite literally a gut feeling that I had, and I'll be completely transparent. I'm out there with my family. Nephew wakes me up early in the mornings before he goes off to daycare, so I spent a little time with him. I took a nap. I woke up. First thing I do is see on Twitter the metrics. It's in Josh Bell. I fire off a reactionary tweet, got a lot of comments, got a lot of bad comments, not gonna lie. And again, based on personal gut feeling about why this wouldn't be a good trade, here is my premise. I've never seen Josh Bell put together a full season. Okay, look at 2019, great first half, not so great second half. Look at last year, not a great first half, strong second half. Does not mean he can't put together a full year, but I just haven't seen it. Plus, I remember Jay Bruce coming to the Mets, and there's always that thing where you get a player from another team that's you know going from D.C. on a rebuilding team that hasn't really done anything, who was in Pittsburgh on a rebuilding team before that. Now you throw him into a big market and say, all right, let's see what you can do. Now Vogelbach, to his credit, was also coming from a rebuilding team. But to me, it's about cost. Colin Holderman is nowhere near as valuable to the Mets as David Peterson is. Peterson's a cost-controlled starting pitcher. That's my thing. Is the cost worth it for Bell? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. But to me, the problem with trading for Josh Bell now, let's just say, all right, you you can do it all over again. You don't trade for Vogelbach. Well, now I'm actually warming to the idea of Peterson and Khalil Lee to get Josh Bell because, hey, that's maybe your one big move that you're sending out. But now it's, well, now we sent out Holderman. We sent out... Peterson and we sent out Lee, if you're the Mets, that's a lot that you sent out one deadline and suddenly the Vogelbach piece doesn't make as much sense because Josh Bell is going to be in the lineup every day. And I get it. You could say, all right, well, you got Vogelbach off the bench, but how many times have we seen pinch hitters this year? Buck Showalter this weekend had an opportunity to go to a pinch hitter and he didn't. He's not using his pinch hitters. Now if he had a better pinch hitter, would he go to him? I don't know. Jeff McNeil an all-star. He didn't go to him. So, so that's that's the, the disconnect to me. It's, yes, Josh Bell is the best hitter available, but the cost of acquisition is the issue for me because, again, it's a rental. And if you're trading Peterson or McGill for him, to me, I just think that you could trade for a Brandon Drury, and that's my guy right now that I really think fits because, for one, you bring him back where he was at last year and he had some good numbers with the Mets. So let's not forget last season in a limited role – he hit 274 at the Mets, 307 on base, 476 slugging, a 114 WRC plus. Again, WRC plus measures hitters based on a league average of 100. That's a 14% better than league average hitter last year in a very small, limited role. Now he's got more playing time. Obviously, he's got the great American ballpark effect. But the fact is, he's a 274 hitter this year, 333 on base, 521 slugging, 132 WRC plus. The thing I love about Drury, though, is his numbers against lefties, and that's why he's the perfect complement to what you got with Vogelbach. Also, he can play third base, second base, left field, and even right field in a pinch. That gives you positional versatility to really field out this roster. If Jeff McNeil, knock on wood, something happened to hit him and he pulled a hammy, well, all right, well, Drury can now play some second base if you want to. If you know Canna were to go down. You could throw him in the left field. There's just so many different ways that you could maneuver a piece like Brandon Drury to get through this final stage of the season. If you get Josh Bell, you got three first basemen on the roster, which essentially you've had this year with J.D. Davis, Pete Alonso, and Dom Smith. But I don't think that is a complete playoff World Series roster. To me, get a piece that really fits. And when you're talking about a platoon, we've already gone through what Vogelbach does against righties. Look at what Drury does against lefties. This season, Brandon Drury against left handed pitching, he's hitting 326, 344 on base, 686 slugging, an OPS over a thousand, a 177 WRC plus 77% better than your league average hitter. He absolutely mashes. Now, granted, you look at his home numbers against left handed pitching, doesn't have a walk, hitting 364 though. 727 slugging, 198 WRC+. plus. So obviously at home, he's had a lot of home runs against left-handed pitching. That has helped him to have these numbers. You have five home runs at home against lefties, three on the road. But even on the road against left-handed pitching, it's not just about Great American Ballpark. He still has a 144 WRC+. plus, So 44% better than your league average hitter. Still hitting 258, getting on base at 314 clips, 613 slugging. The power against lefties is there. That's the guy I'm looking at right now. He has the most drastic splits when it comes to that type of a profile that fits in a platoon. And the positional versatility puts it over the top to me. And I don't think you have to give up David Peterson to get him. You know, I don't know if Khalil Lee gets it done. I don't think so. But let's just say you call up the Reds and maybe you want to trade Khalil Lee, okay? Because Khalil Lee, you think, are long term. Maybe he's more a fourth outfielder. He's gotten better after that midseason demotion and all that. Maybe it's Nick Plummer. Whoever that prospect you might have sent out in the Bell trade. Let's just say you take that same prospect, you hang on to Peterson. Maybe you throw J.D. Davis in this trade to Cincinnati, if not Dom Smith, if not both, who really cares, to be honest. That's a team that's going to look at those pieces and say, what's J.D. going to do? This is what Drury did in a ballpark. Maybe next year, J.D. Davis is Brandon Drury for us. That's valuable to them. Maybe you have to give them something else. Maybe it's it's Khalil Lee, J.D. Davis, and like a lottery ticket arm. But even then, those pieces, none of them are as significant to your organization moving forward that David Peterson is. So that's my problem when it comes to what you do with Bell, what you do with Drury, or what else is on the market. And there's been a lot of names floated. On tomorrow's show, we're going to do a deep dive on Trey Mancini. That is why... I'm not going to talk about it much today. I have uh, Connor Newcomb of Locked on Orioles reached out today. He said, hey, let's talk Trey Mancini, Jorge Lopez. Lopez, that's the real juicy part of that trade, getting a reliever that good. Um, so so we're going to do a, a whole deep dive on the two of them tomorrow. I don't necessarily love Mancini in that he does have reverse splits this year. He's been better against rays than against lefties. But if you got Lopez in the trade and Mancini came over while – It's the same issues that you're maybe talking about with some duplication at that position, another first baseman. The Lopez aspect of it, you know, the Nationals don't have a single reliever that even holds a candle to Jorge Lopez. So we're going to talk about that tomorrow. Today I wanted to focus on on the other names that have floated. Josh Bell, obviously, a lot of smoke there, but there's a lot of teams that are interested. And so who knows if the Mets even have the best offer, and who knows if the Nationals want to trade him in division or or maybe not even trying to say, all right, well – That's nice. We like David Peterson. We like Khalil Lee. Throw more on top, and Billy Epler is digging his heels in right now. And maybe that's why he says, yeah, well, I can get Vogelbach right now and make sure I have a piece. Maybe that's why he swings that trade while he's still in negotiations. But, again, we have a lot of time. I'm fresh off vacation here, a little excited. we got a lot to talk about over the next week heading into the deadline. For now, we're going to focus a little bit here on the Subway series to close out the show because I'm not going to get a chance to preview that tomorrow with all of the focus being right back on the deadline and the Mets potentially swinging a deal with the Baltimore Orioles to acquire Trey Mancini and Jorge Lopez. But again, that is for tomorrow's show. First, before we talk about this upcoming Subway series, BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Finally, latest sports developments, league reviews, and news is Online is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way check in on all your favorite sports and events including MMA boxing and golf head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in the action bet online where the game starts. So, as we head into the first Subway series of the season, you look at these two teams, and is there ever a more hyped matchup than them going head to head right now? The Yankees' best record in baseball, they're 66 and 31. They're a juggernaut. Aaron Judge is up to what, 37 home runs? Last I checked, that was just one tweet I saw of a home run he hit today. Who knows? The way the guy hits baseballs, he might hit two more in the game. I don't even know. That guy is on a different planet. Stanton's been healthy for them. Their line has been chugging along. Their bullpen has been great. They've been getting quality, starting pitching. I mean, look, to say they're the best team in baseball, as much as no one wants to credit them that, uh, who else would it be? It's either them, the Astros, or the Dodgers. And honestly, I think if we really talk about kind of the state of the game right now, where are are the the real power players when it comes to World Series favorites, I think that there is – a top tier, and I just mentioned them, Dodgers, Astros, and Yankees in no particular order. Then I think you have the Mets and the Braves, and scanning the league, like you saw the Padres, that's a good team. I still think altogether, if you really line it up, I think the Mets are better than that Padres teams, even though they just took two or three from the Mets. I, I really do believe that. You look at the other teams in the American League, there's just no one else that really compares. I really do think that There's the top three, and then the Braves and the Mets are right behind them. But when it comes to that division race, there's no shame in losing this division to the Braves. Now, there's no conceding the division at the end of July. There's a lot of baseball left, and the Mets have a ton of games against the Braves, and the last time they went head-to-head, the Mets won. So it's not me saying the season's over. It's not me handing anything and saying the Braves got this. It's more just acknowledging how good of a baseball team that is. I I think what we're talking about here is – There's five teams in baseball that stand out to me, and like I already said, there's three of them that maybe have a slight edge on the Mets and the Braves, but they are not far behind, and so that is where you look right now heading into this Subway Series. The Mets get to go up against one of the best teams in baseball at home. We know the ballpark's going to be completely sold out. There's going to be Mets fans. There's going to be Yankees fans. There's nothing like a Subway Series, but even better – when these two teams were good. Remember last season when Lindor hit the three home runs against the Yankees, how much fun that was. We get a little snippet of that here, two games Tuesday and Wednesday, and it also sets you up to have this kind of interesting uh, extra break out of the all-star where you got time to set up your rotation. For example, the Mets have only played three games since the all-star break in their fifth game back. Max Scherzer is going to get a go again. he will be pitching on Wednesday. So at least that's the plan for now. Things can change, um, but you got Taiwan Walker who hasn't thrown yet. He's going against Jordan Montgomery. Montgomery three two four ERA, left-handed pitcher. It'd be nice to have a Brandon Drury in the lineup for that matchup. Um, you know, I've talked about Mark Vientos a bunch. That's the internal option I did not talk about in the show today. He's now up to forty-two home runs since the beginning of the twenty twenty-one season. So that's kind of your break glass in case of emergency piece that's waiting in the wings unless you trade him at the deadline here. So that's that's where we are when it comes to the, this first game, though. It's a left-handed pitcher. Vogelbach, likely not in the lineup for that one. Um, not sure exactly what that means. Is it going to be J.D. Davis again? Probably, because uh, we know how much Buck Showalter loves his lefty-righty matchups. I don't want Vogelbach out there. Let's be honest. He's not good against left-handed pitching. I've said that, but that's why you have uh, – you know, if you look at this team, that's why they're a bat short, right? It's for games like this one. Um, they got a whole off day on Monday. Maybe you swing a brand new jewelry trade, um, get him in town for that series. It'd be nice. You go Wednesday, Domingo Herman, uh, who must just be coming off on injury. He's going up against Scherzer. So big edge, Mets. Herman only has one game uh, pitched this season. Gave up five runs to the Houston Astros. So that is a a big edge for the New York Mets. If they get that first game, you're looking at a potential little sweep there. But I think this is a a series where you just want the Mets to not go out and have no offense and embarrass themselves and let the Yankees just run over you in your ballpark. You want to compete, you want to fight in these couple games here. The stakes are huge. And with these off days, Jacob DeGroms returns looning. You got the deadline. It's going to be a lot of fun here as we kind of get into um, this second half of the season. A lot that is still uh, to be determined when it comes to this ball club. But I think what we saw on Sunday was at least kind of a pressure release after a frustrating first two games out of the break, which was coming off of some games I personally watched in Chicago where the offense was dismal. Hopefully the Bats can can stay hot and build off of this performance, um, and kind of carry that over into not only this series but the next one against the Miami Marlins. But that's going to be all for today's edition of Locked On Mets. As I already mentioned, tomorrow all about a Trey Mancini Jorge Lopez trade. What will it take to get them? Tune into that. As always, thank you for listening. Make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan. Follow the show at Locked On Mets. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Now for your second listen. Check out Locked On MLB Prospects. The MLB draft just happened. There's still a bunch that I'm sure Lindsey Crosby is going over with that and all the other stars of tomorrow. You can follow Locked On MLB Prospects wherever you get podcasts.